All right, so it is time now for our Bible study, and our Bible study today, today, this week, is all about ministering like Jesus. All right, look, chapter 15 and verse 2 is where we're going to start our Bible study today. Jesus' attitude towards people. So Jesus was often criticized by the religious leaders of his time because, you know, it's interesting, Etienne was talking about the caste system. Mm. And how in the caste system, they, you know, because of pantheism, they look on if you are a lower, if you are a lower caste person, then you have received less of the blessings of God, mm. of the gods. Yes. And so, if you are a lower caste person and you have received less of the blessings of God, then the natural reaction to that is that. You are you deserve it. Yeah, you know you would not be there unless you deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same as what the Pharisees taught. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same as modern Christianity prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel. teaches today. Mm. There is absolutely no difference, and prosperity gospel is creating a caste system Mm. where if you are wealthy, the reason that you are wealthy is because of the blessing of God. Reverse that equation. Mm. If you are not wealthy, what does that mean? Clearly, yeah. Clearly you are not under the blessing of God, and if you are not under the blessing of God, then you deserve to be there because you don't have a strong enough faith in God. And this is what's a total contradiction to if we look at the persecuted church, that they're going, no, we're totally strong in our faith. The Bible has told us we'll be persecuted, but that the message still must go out. Yes. It's completely like, it's a totally, we go, oh, but God wouldn't let me suffer. And I'm like, God promises to be with us in the suffering. That's right. There's no promise. He says, I pray not mm. to take them mm. out of the world, but that you will be with them in the world. Woo. Yeah. All right, Luke chapter 15 and verse 2. Luke 15 and verse 2. Where did Jesus focus his ministry? Mm, so, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Can you imagine? <laughs> a sinner. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's like, We're not sinners. He eats with sinners. Mm. What kind of person would ever do that? Why would you, why would you, if you were a great teacher of God? Yes. And you were receiving the blessings of God and you're doing all of these miracles. And they recognize that. They didn't well, they, they, they know to. this. They, <laughs> they forced you. Then, like, wait a minute, you wouldn't be eating with sinners. Mm. Those sinners are, you know, they're not under the blessing of God. They are poor people. They don't have the wealth and the money that we have. Clearly, they have done something to deserve that. Mm. It's exactly the same as prosperity gospel today. Yes. There's no difference whatsoever at all. And so we see that, yeah, Jesus was criticized because he hung out with sinners. Mm. You know what I love about this? This is a little bit of sign, but what I love about this is that there's relationship there. The fact that you're eating with someone, that's you're taking time that's to right. actually be with them. You know, you can you can talk to sinners, you can you can mingle, but this is like, no, I'm willing to invest myself yeah, I'm, we're in friends. your life. Yeah. We are good friends. Mm. Yes. It's one of those things where well, you know, we've talked about it many times, but the Acts model of evangelism is doctrine, food, and prayer. Mm, absolutely. And food is the middle one right there. We've got a book that we regularly give away here. If you can eat, you can make disciples. <laughs> and yes. most of us can eat. 
In fact, I think we all can. Uh, but we often downplay the value of food and we downplay the value of building relationships with each other. Mm. But food is an absolutely critical um, aspect to building relationships. So I'll give you an example that really, really stood out to me this weekend. We went to this couple's retreat. Now, we went last year as well. Mm-hmm. And because we went last year, we're like, yeah, this is great. We're going again. We're going again. Uh-huh. And you weren't. It was. It was one where you sort of you don't get to go again uh, if you went last year, unless oh. there's, there's some space. And I was just sort of watching it and watching it. And then <laughs> towards the end, I'm like, throw my hat in the ring. If there's space there, I'll go again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. And so end up going again. But last year, you know, you got all these couples, and you know, the meal breaks, you spend, you know. Long tables, you all sit together, eat food together. And it was a great opportunity to get to know all kinds of other ministry couples. These are not big events. There's not lots of people there. And so those couples, you can become a little bit of a tight-knit group. You're going through a lot of the same stuff together. You're having a lot of the same conversations with your spouse. You know, you're not having, obviously, group discussions, but you have them with your spouse. So you've got a lot of things that you're sort of going through together. And you get couples from a whole wide range of backgrounds but you get to know them as people yes we went there this time and of course covid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you can't sit separation those, everyone sitting at a separate table i just really felt like i didn't get to know yeah the other couples in the same way that was we got to know them last year and, and both shell and i we commented on it and we really really missed it mm. it was yeah. really quite, felt quite you know just that little bit Sad that we didn't have that aspect of what we had last year. Absolutely. Yeah. Food is important and sharing food together. We were made as human beings to eat together. 100%. All right, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13. Matthew 9 and verse 13. What's this one? But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay, so when Jesus is accused of, okay, you're hanging out with sinners. What's the, what's the go there? Why are you hanging out with sinners? Mm-hmm. What's his reply? He's like, they're the ones that need saving. Of course uh-huh. I'm gonna. Of course I'm gonna go to the ones that need saving. Like that's what I'm here for. Absolutely. And also he's going to the ones that can be saved. Mm. Because the Pharisees, and, and we use that term as a bit of a blanket term and we shouldn't because there were many Pharisees who gave their life to Jesus Christ, but as a majority, the Pharisees and the scribes and the uh, lawyers and the leaders of Israel saw themselves above the people that Jesus was ministering to. Yes. We are wealthy, you are poor, we have received the blessings of God, you have not, we deserve this, you do not. Mm, mm-hmm. You can't, you know, even if you don't use those words, you cannot have any other subconscious attitude than that one right there. And then, of course, you've got the sinners who are poor and have been told, well, you're poor because you don't have the same connection with God that we do. And so they are always feeling undervalued by God. Uh, that God is not interested in them, that God has somehow ignored them, that God doesn't un- doesn't recognize their needs and their wants, uh, and they're going to have a bad attitude towards God as a result of that. And Jesus comes along and he's like, no, mm-hmm. that's not what it's about. And he ministers to those poorer people and to the sinners. And so when he gets attacked, he's like, well, you know, why would I need to talk to you? You're already righteous. Mm. It's not that they are. 
But they're sure they are. But they're, sure, they're so sure they are, there's nothing he can say there. Mm. It's like, I've got, I've got nothing to say. We can't, you know, there's nothing we can do here. Mm. And I think it's really beautiful that he says this. He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Because who's the one who gave, like, a lot of the rules? Like, we, we say, you know, it was Moses, but yes. God had that conversation with him. And we know there were things, like, we look at the whole sanctuary service. That's full of sacrifice. And you Absolutely. could say, yeah, that's totally about, like, looking to Jesus. Right, but at the time I was like, "Oh, we just sacrificed." And he's like, "Yeah, but you've missed it. You've missed it, man." And and the story I love—I know that's not what we talk about—but the story I love is where the woman caught in adultery. She has broken the law, fully has. But he's like, "But, but the point isn't have you broken the law or have you kept it? You need saving. I want to save you. Do you know? Like, it's just the beauty of the mercy of God's heart." Yep. And he's like, "That—that's what I'm here for." Like the law is helpful if it shows you that you need me. That's right. Absolutely. Mm. And there's the whole purpose of the law right there mm. is to reveal the fact that you are a sinner in need of a saviour. Mm. But they but they a lot of times don't get that. And a lot of times we don't get that, I think. Mm. Mm. No, there's a great challenge, definitely. Okay, so the, the scribes and the Pharisees, their religion um, was one of avoidance. Yes. You know? Um, do everything you can to be avoid being contaminated by sin. So don't speak to sinners. Don't speak to Gentiles. Don't touch Gentiles. Don't eat with Gentiles. Don't eat with sinners. Uh, just stay clean of sin all of the time. Where Jesus was the complete opposite. Mm. He is physically touching people that have leprosy. Yes, and you know, ministering to people, drinking water from a pot that a Samaritan woman used to draw water out of a well. Can you imagine? Oh, no. <laughs> no, but yeah, very That's culturally unacceptable. That's right. Mm. Oh, just mm. terribly culturally unacceptable. Mm. And Jesus is flipping that all on its head. Okay, John chapter 8 and verse 12. John 8 and verse 12. Okay, and by the way, this is the interesting thing is that Jesus is actually the only one who was sinless. Yes. The Pharisees are like, oh, I can't go there, I can't go here, I can't go somewhere else because I'm so righteous and I don't want to get my righteousness contaminated by sin. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get any Gentile on my hands. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get any sinner on my hands. Well, they're actually sinners as well. Yes. Unlike Jesus, who is totally sinless. And he just gets right amongst it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so John 8 verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Who who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Okay. So Jesus comes down to our world that is in the darkness of sin. Mm. And he jumps right in here with us. And the light is the most valuable Mm. when the darkness is the darkest. You know what it's like when you're driving down the road Mm -hmm. and sort of getting towards dusk. The sun dips below the horizon. You can't see your dash quite as clearly, you know, your speed limit quite as clearly before, so you flick your headlights on. Mm -hmm. They don't do anything, do they? (laughs) Not not anything discernible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a couple of nice big spotties on the front of my ute and I just love them because they're just, you know, they're like, (laughs) you can see them from space. Mm. Um. And I've got to be careful and be very vigilant to <laughs> dim my lights when people come the other direction because of that. But um, they're just, yeah, they'll, they'll burn a hole in the retina of anybody coming the opposite way if, <laughs> if I forget to do so. Oh, it's yeah. going to sear and fry their brains. It's quite amazing. Um, but you can flick those on, you know, at dusk 
and you can't really tell, mm-hmm. uh, except for the light coming back off of the reflectors on the side of the road, which can be pretty hard on your eyes. But you can't really tell that they're on. Until but the darker it gets, darker it gets mm. the bigger the difference they make. Yes. And uh, Jesus did not go to the lightest parts of the world to let his light shine. He went to the darkest places because that's where him, being the light of the world, shone the brightest. So now question though. Now okay. I ask this question because it's a conversation I've had with people over the years oh, recently. No. Oh, no. Uh, oh no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> so, so this is the question, right? It's like on the one hand, we have to be interacting with the people. We have to be. That is Jesus' model. That is what we're called to do. Yes. But there's also the tension between, as humans, we know we are very influenced by the people we associate with. Very much so. So have to be amongst the people, but also have to be so close to Jesus that we're not going to be so influenced away. Does that make sense? It does. And I I personally find that tension can be, not always, but can be really difficult. Like... I'm really thankful for the times where my closest friends have been non-Christian because I have had – I've just had a burden on my heart for them. I've been like, man, Jesus, like these these are the ones I plead for, right? These are the ones I'm like, I have to pray for you every day because I just – I just long for you to know God. However, I've also been in positions where it, it there wasn't that. And you just – you know, when you're around – well, for me, if I'm around people who swear all the time, I'll pick it up. Like, even if I'm not saying it, it'll be my head. Yes. You know? Human and so, nature, the Bible says, by beholding you become exactly. changed. Exactly. So there's this tension, right, of like, do we not associate with the people who, what's an example? Oh, no, like I know a pastor who their church group used to go like once a week they'd have a meal at the local pub because that's where the people are, right? We're in a small country town. The people are here. We don't drink. We don't eat meat. For them, the, their group, they didn't. So we're going to go because there's influence because you can develop relationships. Whereas other people will be like, you know what? I have a background. I cannot go to those places because I'll get sucked right back. Absolutely. There's and this tension, need, right? That's right. There is very mm. much tension. And you know, if you're an alcoholic yeah, don't. who has yeah. not you know, drunk alcohol for 15 years or whatever, you're still not going to go to the pub. Mm. Mm. You're not going to minister there. I can go and eat in the pub. I've never, ever touched alcohol in my life. It's mm. got zero temptation for me whatsoever at all. It is no, no uh, danger for me. But I have a very good friend in ministry who was an alcoholic for many, many years, a severe alcoholic, had to go to AA for an extended period of time to be able to get past it, and that would be a bad idea for him. Mm. So you do have this tension, and it is something that you can never define for another person. Yes. But what we do have is an environment created by God to enable us to minister to sinners and at the same time be able to maintain our Christian experience. Mm. And that environment includes Christian friends yes, and it includes church. And a lot of Christians today have this attitude like, oh, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian and I'm kind of against church. And like, yeah, okay, that might be true. I've just never seen anyone do it successfully. Uh, And they're like, oh, you know, there's all of these sinners at church. Well, guess what? You know, it's kind of like Like, what you are as well. Uh, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. What a conversation we've been having here just uh, <laughs> off air. Minnie's been sharing a testimony. And I think it's a really important testimony because it mm. il- il- illustrates how that by beholding we are changed. Yes. And it illustrates the 
the purpose for God creating community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amongst believers. Yes. Because we support each other. God has called us to go out into the world and to minister for him. He's called us to go into dark places because that's where our light will shine the brightest. But if we do it alone, if we do it by ourselves, if we do it without support, Mm. there is always the danger that those dark places will start to rub off on us. Yeah. And actually start to dim our light. And I think you brought up a really good illustration there, one that I can relate to, where you talked about when you when all of your non when all of your non Christian friends, you know, use bad language, you start using it in your head if not anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I worked in a workshop for five years. I know how that goes. You're hanging, hanging around with tradies all day, every day. Um, their the, the, the language kind of sounds like a compressor going off um, and it rubs off on you. You can't not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, now where would I be if that's the only environment I was in? Yes. If I didn't have an environment of a church community during that period – to recenter me each week. Where would I be if God had not invented the Sabbath? If God had not invented the idea of church? If God not, had not invented the idea of church community? Mm. You know, and if I didn't have that weekly uh, experience of getting recentered, getting refocused, getting re-reminded of you know who God is and how special God is. How easily that could just start rubbing off, and it just starts. You know, by beholding, you become changed, and you and you just turn into essentially the people that you are trying to minister to. Mm. And you know, church church is totally about God. You know, what we come for God, it's not about people. Like this is something that people say, but <clears throat> the truth is, we're also social beings. Yes. And you look at the statistics of things. How many people will say? Friends are a massive part of why I kept coming to church when I was struggling or why I left church when I was struggling. You know, for right or wrong, it's a massive influence in our lives. That's right. It just is. Absolutely. Okay, so let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. So that's Matthew 5, verse 13 and 14. What's that one? That says that you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. This passage here kind of gives the flip side of that equation. Mm -hmm. And so you can have an environment such as you were in last year, Minnie, when you were doing Bible work pretty much by yourself, Mm. where you're kind of not really getting the opportunity to hang out with other Christians on a regular basis. And that can be challenging. But then you can get the other environment where the Bible says you are the salt of the world. And it's like, yep, great. We are all grains of salt and we are happily inside the salt shaker and (laughs) perish the thought that we'll ever get shaken out of the salt shaker. Mm -hmm. You then get Christians who live in a Christian environment, who work in a Christian environment. They worship in a Christian environment and they never actually get in contact with what we might call the real world. Now, whether you want to call it the real one or not, that's a different discussion, but (laughs) the majority world. Mm. And if we never are making contact with the real world that is out there, then we lose contact, we lose touch. Mm. And what good is the salt if it stays in the salt shaker? Was was salt ever designed to stay in the salt shaker? (laughs) 
It's useless. It is absolutely mm. useless if it stays in the salt shaker. You get a little bit of moisture added, and of course, then it just blocks up at the uh, outlets, and none of that salt can get out again. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So the principle here is that we need to be the salt that gets outside of the salt shaker. We need to be the light that is set on a hill yes, and not down in the valley under a bush. Mm. Put it up on a hill where it can be seen by everybody all around. Some really great illustrations that uh, that God is giving to us right here. My, um, my sister says this thing. She says um, Christians are also like manure. When they're spread out, things will grow. It fertilizes. Together, it's stinky. <laughs> Too much together, it's just stinky. <laughs> yes, you get a pile of it. Yeah. No. It's just not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. I, hmm, interesting illustration. <laughs> hey, I didn't say it was a biblical I'm, I'm, one. I'm just like, do I want to own this one or not? <laughs> <laughs> okay, John chapter 1 and verse 9. Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, verses here. We'll see if we can get through some of these before we finish up. John 1 verse 9. Mm-hmm. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Yes, once Speaking again, of Jesus. Jesus being the true light. Mm. Uh, chapter 12 and verse 46. Says, 12 verse 46 says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And, you know, these illustrations that God is giving to us are good ones because they have been relevant to all of humanity all through time because no humanity has ever existed without some form of artificial light Mm -hmm. and an appreciation for that artificial light. Mm -hmm. Of course, we live in a world right now that is saturated in artificial light, but, you know, even if you go back to the old campfires and the the, uh, lamps. Yes. Uh, light becomes incredibly valuable. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15. So Philippians 2 and verse 15, please, Minnie. That you may become bla- uh, yeah, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Okay, so this really this passage really I guess illustrates where, you know, you were at last year, mm-hmm. living in a crooked and perverse generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we like to see ourselves separate from that. And to some extent, that is true because we are people of faith who believe in Jesus Christ. But at the same time, yeah, we, all, we need to remember that we're all crooked and perverse at heart ourselves. And, you know, if but for the grace of God, there go I. Absolutely. So that needs to be recognized. Uh, but then... In the middle of a crooked and perverse generation, the Bible says that you will shine like stars in the sky. Mm. And the question is, do people recognize in you that you are different, that you are not like the average person that is out there and that there is a reason for that? Mm. You know, Has Jesus rubbed off on you to the point that you are a shining light in your community? The Bible talks about Moses when Moses went into the uh, into Mount Sinai to receive the law of God. And he's up there for like a month. And the Israelites, they kind of, you know, they, they fall away and they go into idolatry and so forth while he is away. So he's up there for a whole bunch of time. When he comes back down the mountain. Yeah, he's shining. <laughs> he is physically shining. Mm. Not just morally shining. He is physically. 
physically shining, so much so that he actually has to put a veil on his face because the Israelites can't even look at him. Amazing, hey? It is. It is absolutely stunning that uh, you know he has a face that is shining like this simply from being in the presence of God. And so you know when we go out into the world, which is a uh, what does it describe it here? A warped and crooked or a perverse and crooked generation. Mm. Does does the world see the difference? Can they tell that we've been with Jesus Christ? Is mm. He shining through us? Are they like you know what you're different, but in a really good way? Yes. You know, these are all questions that we need to be asking ourselves and challenging ourselves with um, as we, you know, as we grow, grow, grow closer to God. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.